Welcome to episode 160 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, we're talking pounds of meat, for free, plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency, it can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door. And they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild caught. Their beef is 100% grass fed and 100% grass finished. Their chicken is free range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes, so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine, way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry and their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner and ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use ifpodcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed, grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use code ifpodcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. ButcherBox.com slash IFPodcast with code IFPodcast. I will put all this information in the show notes. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons 
reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 160 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? Doing great. I'm still recording in the kitchen this week, but hopefully starting next time, I'll be back in my regular podcast studio. Have you been talking about what you are recording or no? I think so. I think I mentioned it one time already. I'm recording the audiobook for Fast Feast Repeat, which is available for pre-order. But, you know, since the lockdown, I wasn't able to go record it at a professional studio. So I made a little blanket fort recording studio here in my kitchen. In the meantime, it inspired me to work on the acoustics better in my podcast studio. So I've ordered a curtain and I've also, I'm going to change some things around and the desk that I use, I'm going to put a curtain behind it as well that should help with the sound absorption. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I have a grab bag of little random goodies that have happened to me. Things that you realize during quarantine. Actually, this doesn't really relate to quarantine, but did you know that your phone will call 911 if you hold down? Do you have an iPhone? I do. Have you ever called 911 by accident? No, but is it if you accidentally hold down the power button for a long time? Yeah. So it gradually brings it over. Yeah. I've seen it do that. So I have a sunlight and solo unit, which is an infrared sauna that you can have in your apartment, which by the way, listeners, I just interviewed the founder. It was incredible. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And I also have an amazing discount for listeners. That's like $200 off. So all in the show notes. But in any case, I've been ramping up my use in that for COVID because apparently heat therapy could in theory wipe out any virus that you, you know, contracted during the day. So I ordered this arm thing. So I like reading while I'm in it and researching. So I ordered this arm thing to hold my iPhone above my head so I could be reading. And I set it up and put my iPhone in and then I like walked away. And then my <laughs> my phone started like screaming and I was like, what is happening? And it called 911. And I was like, stop. So do you know what you're supposed to do if you call 911 by accident? I guess just tell them you called by accident. I don't know. Well, if you hang up. I don't know. Okay. No. Call again and tell them that. Yeah. They called me back, but I didn't answer it. <laughs> and then I Googled and, and they're like, if you don't call back, the police are going to show up at your door. I was like, oh. Oh, gosh. So listeners, now you know. Now you know. Don't do that. <laughs> and then the other random thing was last night I was doing researching on carb cycling, which I've never actually written about, like a blog post about or anything. But I was on Google and the fourth thing was my blog. <laughs> I was like, thank you. So glad I already know the answer. Not really. 
since I don't. I just think that that's funny. Does your site come up on Google for stuff? Yeah, it does. We're lucky we didn't get affected by the, when Google went crazy. Like, what do you mean? Like, not letting people search for things? When it, like, went in and just basically stopped, like, certain health sites, it just put them into a black hole. Oh. Well, mine's pretty innocent. My site's pretty innocent. It's not full of crazy advice. (laughs) Well, I mean, they basically, stuff that was not big health websites that were more natural-based, like Rob Wolf and stuff like that, just kind of, like, plummeted. And I think some of my other podcast friends, they got affected as well. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, that is. One last thing I was thinking about that might be helpful for listeners during this time. I'm still reading Dr. Greger's How Not to Diet. And I still sort of want to recommend this book to everybody and nobody because there's just so many studies in it and it's so fascinating. But like I said before, he does a lot of cherry picking. But did you know they've done a study on memory and food intake and hunger? And that in patients that have short-term memory problems and don't remember what they just ate, they'll like just keep eating. If they don't remember that they ate? Mm-hmm. So it was saying that memory, like, so when you're eating, because I know a lot of us, especially now, you know, with the quarantine situation, have tried to use this as a time to do more intuitive eating. But then I think on the flip side, sometimes that becomes like overeating under the guise of intuitive eating because you're trying to have stress relief and things like that. I don't know. It's just, it's just really tricky, you know, when our, when our whole lifestyles and everything has been disrupted, but yeah, apparently memory plays a big role in our actual hunger response. So if we remembered that we just ate, we're more likely to be hungry. But when they've done these tests and you mean not hungry, if we remember we ate. Yeah. So like, if we remember that we ate, we're more likely to be less hungry. But if you don't remember, then you might be just as hungry. So isn't that interesting? That is interesting. It's making me think of lots of things of, you know, like what is hunger? Like, you know, so many of the things we think are hunger, you know, the the signals that we interpret, oh, I'm hungry, really are not hunger. I think that might be a lot of what that is showing us. Maybe it's not that they don't feel hungry. It's just we don't interpret these signals as hunger if we know we already ate. But if we know we didn't, then we're like, oh, that must be hunger. Yeah, exactly. I think like you said, it's just, it's so much more complex and nuanced, I think, appetite regulation than, you know, most people realize. It's not just insulin. It's not just ghrelin. It's not just if you're fasting. It's not just if you ate this. You know, it's so so many things. Yeah, and it's also the filter that you run all these sensations through when you decide what they mean. Yeah. Exactly. What I found empowering by it was it really made me reevaluate like when I'm having my meal in my window. It's like, what is the story I'm telling myself in this meal? And this is getting a little bit esoteric, but you know, maybe going into a meal, I feel like I need to eat like a certain amount. And then I remember having eaten that. And then I feel like it needs to be this or it needs to be that when really, I don't know, I feel like it's just a story aspect to it. And that you could, you know, if a diet's not working for you, you know, you could change the story try a new story. Oh, I definitely believe you can change your story. Absolutely. There is a lot of physical to it, though. I talked about this in my Facebook group yesterday. I shared a screenshot. You know, I mentioned that I've been using an app to track my fast just out of curiosity and also because I felt myself gradually, you know, stress-related. Like, I think I'll open my window at one o'clock today. (laughs) And that was happening a lot more often. So I was like, I'm going to pull this app back out and, you know, play with it and see And I'm really enjoying it, which shocks me because, you know, I've been so intuitive with it. But then, you know, like you just mentioned, you're like, oh, am I hungry? Yeah, I guess I am. It's one o'clock. I'll eat now. You know, but using the app has helped me know, no, I've only been fasting for 16 hours. I don't need to eat now. Anyway, I've realized I have, I mean, I knew this already, but I, I guess I forgot. I have so much better appetite correction when I don't open my window until after four or five. Like, it's hugely different. Like, I can't even express. Even if it's the same length of a fast, if I fast for 20 hours and open at 3 o'clock, it feels different than if I fast for 20 hours and open at 4 or 5. I guess maybe it's the waking hours and how busy I am and things like that. But really, when I get, you know, the more hours I have in that fat-burning state, when I eat, I really cannot eat as much food. Like, yesterday, I fasted for, I don't know, maybe 21 hours and then opened my window and had a, had a snack like I usually do. And then later it was time for dinner. I could not finish my dinner. I was like, I have had enough. If I eat any more of this, I'm going to have a stomach ache. And it wasn't like more food than I'm normally eating 
or less food than I'm normally eating. It was actually less food, but it wasn't a different size plate of food. I just was able to eat less of it. It was fascinating. It was like, bam, you have had enough. But if I open my window earlier, even if it's the same amount of food, I don't know, it's just, it's very different. Yeah, I think there's so much going on. I don't know if I feel like I eat less, but I feel like I process the food better if I have fasted more. I found the quote from the book because he was talking about the effect of soup and whether or not it was more filling compared to like a smoothie, for example. But he says, feelings like hunger and fullness are subjective. People tend to report hunger more in accordance with how many calories they think something has rather than the actual calorie content. Then he talks about people with short-term memory disorders he says, sufferers of anterograde amnesia can overeat to the point of vomiting because they forgot they had just eaten, which shows what poor judges we are of our own hunger. See, now I don't, that's weird to me because I understand, you know, clearly that's based on a study, but, you know, I was at the point where I was so full last night that I'd stopped eating because I knew I would feel bad if I kept eating. I can't imagine that I would just keep shoving it in, even if I forgot I had just eaten because I was so full. I can see how it would happen. I wondered, I'd have to read the study and like the participants, but you know, some people, depending on your body, what state you're in, just all the factors involved, you know, they'll eat a lot and they will reach this point of being full. But then sometimes people get into this feeling where they just feel like they keep eating and for whatever reason, whatever hormones are off, whatever it is, they just can't get that, that satiety signal just doesn't really come. And it doesn't come until I think in that situation, if it comes, it comes when like physically their stomach is so extended. Yeah, that they have pain. Yeah, that that creates the feeling of full. So it's like rather than the other hormones that would signal fullness from nutrient intake or calorie intake, it's like literally you have to just get to the point of physical extension because that will also signal satiety eventually. So I'm wondering if in these studies, if they you know don't have that sense of fullness coming from nutrients due to whatever reason, I could see how that would happen. Like if their stomach was completely full, they didn't remember that they just ate. So they don't have the satiety signals, you know, eat a meal. There's no room for it. And then vomit. <laughs> for me, I mean, it makes sense. You know, the reason that that I feel like it works so well, the reason I'm not as hungry is because my body has been fueled on fat stores for longer. And so my body's like, oh, we're well fueled. Whereas if I break the fast around 18 hours, I've, you know, not really gotten much fuel from my fat stores. I mean, you know, I can really tell. Like, so the longer I spend in the fasted state, my body is like happily going along. So it's, it's just fascinating. It just reminded me of how good it feels to fast for 20 hours. And I think I hadn't been doing 20 a lot recently because <laughs> it feels so good to, to hit it, to hit 20, 21. It, I'm like, yeah, I love the way this feels. And, you know, I wasn't doing it because I was gaining weight or anything. My clothes all fit the same. I just realized, you know, gosh, I'm not fasting as long as I had been. Yeah. Some listeners' ears might perk up when they hear 18 and that, you know, we think of that as shorter. I, I think it also depends on, like you and I, we're not, we're podcasters. We're doing a lot of like at our computers, things like that. We're not like, you know, maybe moving around as much as some people with more active jobs. I think that could also instigate more fat burning with a longer eating window. Definitely. But yeah, you're right. For me, you know, an 18 hour daily fast for me doesn't give me as much of that time and that prime fat burning that I can feel, you know, now that I've been paying attention. I'm like, oh, yeah, now I feel I feel so good. You know, the mental clarity gets better between hours 18 to 21, for example. Yeah, same. Anyway, it's just interesting. I hadn't paid attention to it. And I haven't. I mean, the last time I used the app was regularly was 2016. So <laughs> <laughs> it's been a few years, but it's so interesting clicking that, you know, close window button. You know, there's zero percent chance I'm going to reopen it to eat something else. I mean, it's just psychological. It's it's just funny. Shall we jump into our questions for today? Yes, let's get started. All right. So we have a question from CJ. The subject is job dictates fasting, and CJ says, "Hi, fabulous ladies." Gush overload. I love, love, love your podcast and your individual podcast too. You guys keep me learning about stuff I never even knew I needed to know. As my mom always said, when you know better, you do better. Keep being awesome. And by the way, I know who CJ is. She's an active member in the Facebook groups. And so shout out. Hello, CJ. I know who you are. <laughs> 
Hello. <laughs> I, I just, I recognize that name and I was excited. I love when it's somebody that I recognize. So CJ says, here is my questions. Currently, I am working as a cashier at a grocery store. I have four children, two that I am helping with digital learning, and I'm still running my own business, even though we are not running at full capacity. Before starting at Publix just a few weeks ago, my normal was 24 or 22 too. I need shorter windows as I tend to overeat with longer windows. We were just kind of talking about that. That is just what we said. It's true. And it's not even just because it's longer time. That's the part I want to get out there. It's not just that I eat more because it's a longer period. Like I really get full faster and then I don't want to eat more later. That's the interesting part. She says, now my work schedule is never the same from day to day or week to week. Week one of work, I decided to add one long fast, 42 hours, because my work schedule just fell that way. Then last week, I had two days where I worked all day, so I did a 68-hour fast. Wow, that's me. (laughs) She says, neither of these were difficult since I was working. During my break, I took a walk instead of eating. Now here we are in week three, going into week four, and my schedule has three long days back to back, and my fast will be 90 hours. Then a refeed of two meals. Then I go right into three long days, which means I would fast for around 90 hours with a refeed of two meals. Do you see any potential problems? Is the refeed of two meals recommended? A little background, I'm no longer overweight, but would still like to lose 25-ish pounds so I can wear the clothes in my closet. I'm a very active person who walks long walks, hiking, yoga, and sometimes bike rides. I'm 5'3 and 3 fourths inches. My children tell me I cannot say 5'4". I weigh 141 pounds. I'm open to any suggestions. I don't like to eat at work and would just prefer to fast on my long days, but I also don't want to do any damage to my body. Ultimately, this way of life is about health and well-being. The weight loss is a big bonus. Thank you for all you guys do. I'm so blessed to have found both of you and admire the work you both tirelessly do. Thank you for being authentic and lovable. God bless you. God bless you, TJ. So Jen, what are your thoughts? All right, CJ, no, (laughs) you are doing too much fasting. Oh, goodness gracious, a 90-hour fast and then a refeed of two meals? No, no, no. First of all, number one, I do not want you to do any fast longer than 72 hours unless you're under medical supervision because that is a lot of fasting and, you know, a lot goes on in your body. So I would stop 90-hour fast completely. And when it comes to 72-hour fasts, I would not do a 72-hour fast more frequently than once a month max. You know, we, we fall into the habit of thinking, gosh, if a little bit is good and more is even better than a whole lot is going to be even better. And that is not the case with fasting. You really can overdo the fasting. You know, it, it seems like to me, you're really enjoying the great energy of the fast while you're working. I get it. And you're also, you know, you want to lose weight. I get that too. But what's going to happen is you really are going to slow your metabolic rate. You know, I talk about this in my new book, Fast, Feast, Repeat, available for pre-order everywhere you order books. And, you know, we've got a good research study about fasting and what happened over 72 hours of fasting as they tracked participants. And so as time went on, you know, our 12 of the fast, our, you know, 36 of the fast, metabolism went up. The metabolic rate of the participants went up over that period of the fast. It reached a peak, and then it started to go back down. Uh, Imagine like a curve. It's going up the hill and then down the hill. And then by the time they got to hour 72, the metabolism or the metabolic rate was already on that downward trajectory. Now, it was still higher at hour 72 than it had been at hour 12, but it was on a downward trajectory. It doesn't just keep going up and up and up and up and up. It goes up, then it goes down. So think about this. If your body thinks you're working really, really long days and you're doing it with zero food coming in for 90 hours, your body is going to think, oh my Lord, have mercy, something terrible is happening to CJ. I better slow her metabolism so she does not die. And that's what's going to happen. And then after a really long fast of 
you know, even 48 hours, you know, 60 hours, a refeed of two meals is not sufficient after those longer fasts. You know, I talk about the research on alternate daily fasting and the up and down day protocol. These fasts were, you know, like one day they didn't eat, then the next day they did. So these fasts were probably along the lines of 36 hours. Okay, so these people were fasting for 36 hours, then they had a day where they ate the entire day. They didn't restrict at all. They didn't have just two meals. Most of them probably had three meals. They just were eating typically on the up day. So, and that was after fasts that were only like 36 hours. So as a rule of thumb, we recommend that you have no fewer than two meals after a fast of 36 to 42 hours, but you certainly wouldn't want to limit to two meals after a longer fast. So you are going to have to figure out something else when you're working. When you get off of work after your long work day, eat. And then, you know, if you don't eat that day and you go to bed still having not eaten, the next day is supposed to be an up day. So you would need to eat two to three meals on the second day. And I could understand not wanting to, you know, eat two to three meals while you're working. So I think your best bet is to work in the fasted state, then eat when you get home from work, and then go to bed. Give yourself enough time for your body not to be, like, stuffed when you go to bed if that doesn't feel right for you. But I do not want you to do these long fasts where you're working, 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 fasting, 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 and then having tiny little two-meal refeeds. That is not going to work for you long term. And so I've used my teacher voice, CJ. I'm going to come and hunt you down in the group (laughs) and make sure you're not doing that anymore. All right. What do you say, Melanie? I thought that was great. I have two things to add to it. One, we talked about this two weeks ago, I believe. I think particularly now with the whole COVID situation, it's unclear if fasts, you know, after more than 36 hours or so are even a good idea just right now, just with the whole COVID thing. So especially if you're working at a grocery store, I would not recommend doing 90-hour fasts while working at a grocery store during this time. I wouldn't have anyway, but especially right now, probably not. The second thing is, Jen, you were talking about how, you know, people think something like fasting, you know, if it has the benefits, then more, more, more is better. I actually released an episode this week on the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. I will put a link to it in the show notes. It was with James Clement. He wrote a book called The Switch, which is a fantastic resource. Lots of lots of deep stuff in there on fasting. His background is he did a supercentenarian study with a fellow Harvard researcher, and they basically studied the blood work of supercentenarians to see what the commonality was. It's basically a gene. <laughs> by the way, that now I'm going on a tangent. It's basically a gene that activates the anti-aging pathways that we would have to activate by fasting or exercise or healthy diets. They, They just have this gene that naturally turns all that on. So super jealous of them. Well, you might have that gene and you don't know it. This is true. This is very true. That's a good point. Oh yeah. One thing I asked him was, you know, of all the supercentenarians that you studied, like what type of diets or lifestyles did they follow? He said out of all of them, and I don't remember how many they studied in their group, but it was a, a good number. I think he said like maybe two followed a self-proclaimed like really intense, you know, healthy diet out of like all of them. So there's, they just eat food. Mm-hmm. Love it. They're like, Jen. <laughs> yeah. And then they have this magical gene that turns on, thinks that fasting would turn on or, di- or calorie restriction. But so in any case, oh, he's also a fan of protein restriction. And his main theory is that lifespan and health and everything all comes down to mTOR and autophagy. That's what he thinks is the switch. So the switch between autophagy on or off. But he does say it's like a dimmer switch. It's not completely on or off. But in any case, I asked him, so like these different practices like fasting, calorie restriction, protein restriction, did he think that combining them would amplify the effects or like cancel each other out? And he thinks they pretty much cancel each other out. He was saying, not that they nullify the effects, but they're not additive. They don't multiply. Mm -hmm, Because he thinks they're pretty much acting on the same pathway or pathways. I'm not sure. You know, so it's like a scenario where you might think you're like doing more because you want, so you want to do all the things like fast and calorie restrict and protein restrict. But if it's all activating a similar or the same pathway, it's not like you're going to get double benefits from that necessarily. So just something to keep in mind for listeners who want to do all the restrictive things all the time for health and longevity. (laughs) Maybe that's, maybe you can play around and, you know, do, well, I feel like we are, we're always doing our fasting, but 
You don't have to feel pressured to do all the things. And I really do. There's a point where your body is going to see it as just way too much stress. And, you know, I have a hunch it's different for everybody. You know, for some people, maybe 42-hour fasts are too much stress for their bodies. Um, we're, we're not all the same. But, you know, as we start getting into the longer fast and longer and longer, it's more likely your body is going to be like, all right, there's nothing coming in. Even though I've got this stored fat, I still better, you know, slow some things down so we don't die. Yeah, actually, Jen, the thing I was Googling last night where my website came up is the fourth thing, even though it wasn't about that. Did you ever do carb night? That's what I was researching. I did. Yeah. Did I talk about that with you ever before? I think I must have. I think I mentioned it on this podcast. I say a lot of things. Did it work for you? It was in the period of time where I was switching over for that summer that I did keto in 2014 when I did keto and felt so bad and didn't lose any weight at all. And then I stumbled upon the Carb Night Solution, Kiefer, whatever his last name is. Oh, I think we just talked about this on the phone. I don't think we were we were recording. I know I talked about it with you, but not on a podcast. But then I found the Carb Night Solution with the carb cycling, and it was one day a week. And it, you know, the science was very interesting. It's been years since I read it, but I still have the book on my in my iBooks library. But the science, you know, talked about what happens with the long term carb restriction and how having the bursts of higher carb were beneficial. So I was like, all right, well, I feel so terrible eating low carb. I'm going to try this. So I did it for maybe just a few weeks. And then I was like, man, I've really missed carbs because (laughs) I was doing keto perfectly because if I do it, it's going to be right. And I was like, man, I feel better. And then my weight had started to finally go down a tiny bit. So then I ended up on the carb night. Yeah. And so then I ended back up with the Heller's book, The Carbohydrate Addicts Diet. And I talked about that in Delay Don't Deny. And then I was doing that for a while. This is how I reintroduced carbs. But then I was like, wait a minute. If I'm just eating these low-carb meals during the day and then having whatever I want at night, why don't I just fast? And then, boom, I was back to intermittent fasting. And so that's how I made the transition. So it was keto, wasn't working for me. Brief transition with carb night. having that one day a week where I had you know the carb night. And then from that went into the carbohydrate addicts diet. And then from that just went straight to intermittent fasting with zero restriction. And I immediately felt so much better. So at that point, did he have carb backloading as well or did he just have carb night? I remember the phrase carb backloading, but I can't remember what it means. I remember seeing it. It's been so long since I looked at that. It's more for when you're having carbs nightly, basically, at night, I think. I can't remember what it meant. In my mind, it seems to be associated with bodybuilding. The whole idea of carb backloading is a bodybuilding strategy. Hi, friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order. So you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous and they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? 
What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalonsCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. So briefly from what I gathered last night was carb night was like the first thing he developed for like the everyday person. And it was to, you know, fix the hormonal issues and dropping leptin, increased ghrelin, reversing that, things like that with this, you know, one high carb day per, per week. It was more complicated than that. It was like nine days and then seven days. But, and then he had carb backloading, which was for more active, like bodybuilding type people. And that was where you had carbs. I don't know if it was every day, but it was basically the carbs at night. But ironically enough, you know, it's kind of like what, you know, Jen and I like to get to, which is like, you know, having carbs in the evening. Right. Fasting all day. And then, (laughs) yeah. Well, the takeaway from all of it is that I think you can have your carbs and eat them too. You know, I think this idea of cycling and is really, really important. Well, and I feel like I'm cycling every day anyway through the metabolic flexibility that fasting has given me. I'm cycling between, you know, fat burning state and the fed state. So something else, listeners, if you want the deep, deep science on all this, definitely listen to that interview with James because he's really big on this like autophagy idea. He thinks that you should have out of the whole year, I think it was like three or four, I think three months that are quote like autophagy months. So those are like keto type months or things like that or, or CR months sorry, other way around. Nine months of the year is that. And then like three months are more anabolic. But I asked him, what about, like, could you get the benefits from doing a daily, like kind of like we do where you're doing, you know, fat burning during the day and then, you know, maybe more carbs at night and cycling back and forth. And he was saying that the timeline of genes to turn over is around like, I don't know what he said, 12 or 16 hours so that like you needed longer periods of certain things to get the full beneficial effects. I don't know. The takeaway from all of this stuff is if you have something that's working for you and you just stay on it, I mean, more power to you, but there's definitely nothing wrong with like changing things up and trying, you know, to find what works for you. Yeah. And, you know, I look at it this way. I look at what people are doing that I admire, the researchers. And one of my favorite researchers is Dr. Mark Mattson. I've talked about him before. He was from Johns Hopkins, worked in the neurological field at fasting and the effects on the brain. And he does a daily eating window approach with an evening eating window and has eaten that way for, I don't know, decades. So if it's good enough for him, it is good enough for me. (laughs) Or I was just listening as well to an interview, Ritual, with Dan Buner, the Blue Zones guy. And part of the conversation that I was listening to last night was, Rich was like, what are the takeaways from these long-lived populations? And he said that it was eating within like an eight-hour-ish window. I was like, yeah. He said not eating a lot of huge variety of foods. He said most of these populations only eat around the same 20 or so foods. And then like social eating and they're eating real foods. They're eating real foods that are local to them. Oh, that's what he said. That's one thing he said. He said they're not eating like magical superfoods. Right. They're eating like around 20 whole basic foods. That made me feel really good because I, I feel often feel pressured to have more variety. A lot of people do because that's the message we've gotten. But like, it's like I like the foods I like and then I will get specific cravings for foods that are still within a smaller number of foods. And then I take that as a, oh, I must need some nutrient in this. But I I don't know. I feel like there's this pressure to eat your green smoothie with every single type of green ever on the planet inside of it. And you know, that also makes me think of what I ate last night. You know, I talked about how I fasted for 21 hours and then I was stuffed. Also, this is what I ate. 
yesterday. We were going to have potato salad with dinner. I love potato salad. And, you know, my genetic history, my family, we're very European or British Isles, you know, Irish lassie, you know, lots of potatoes in my DNA. So me too. Yeah. So, and it was perfect potato salad. By the way, my husband was like, this is the best potato salad I've ever had. What was the recipe? I'm like, there is no recipe. You just mix it up. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, he wanted me to write it down. I'm like, I can't write it down. Anyway, so I made the potatoes. I boiled them, then, you know, chopped them up, boiled them. And then I took them out of the hot water and there was like a little bowl that was hot. And I put butter on those and ate them with salt and pepper just, you know, to open my window. It was amazing. So satisfying. Hot potatoes with butter and salt and pepper. Then the rest of them, I put them in the refrigerator to cool because that's how you make potato salad. They have to be cool before you mix them up with the, you know, I used to mustard and mayonnaise with chopped up dill pickle and also some of the pickle juice in there. But you have to let it chill first. So then with dinner, I had the potato salad. Now it was chilled you know, with the rest of my dinner. And maybe it had something to do with that. That Those potatoes were so satisfying. I mean, you know what chilled potatoes are known for? Well, I do, yeah, the resistant starch. But it was just so delicious. That might have been a huge part in it. I actually just got a question about that in my group. Somebody wanted to know if that was still a thing or was it a fad? And <laughs> it's, it's, it's science. It's not a fad. It's a fact. He was saying that it didn't seem to be as popular anymore. And it was like really popular at one point. And why was that? I hadn't really thought about it. But now that I think about it, I think there was like this time period where like all these studies, like it was, it was like resistant starch. It's going to like, it was new info. Yeah. And so there was all these studies and it, I think it does have major benefits for people who's got microbiome respond well to it. Cause some people though, it does not party well with the gut microbiome and they just get bloated and like don't do so well. So I think that's a reason it didn't have, like, it's not a fad, like intermittent fasting is not a fad, but the reason I think it didn't have as much staying power is that it probably worked really well for a lot of people and probably worked really not so well for a lot of people. So I think that's the reason. Well, I don't even think that's it. I think it's just that it, it was, it was just in the news and then it wasn't. I mean, it's like, how often did people need to talk about it? Because it wasn't interesting. It's not interesting. It's like one of those things that it's, it's a fact that, Resistant starch is treated differently in the body. Those chilled potatoes were differently processed than the ones that I had straight out of the hot pot. But it was resistant by the time it had been in the refrigerator. That's a fact that it's different. Well, like my point is, I think some people, if they start integrating it, they will see great benefits. Well, I don't think it's a magic bullet. Well, no, some people completely, like there's this whole school of thought, like of people who like change their gut health with resistant starch. Like that was the key for them. Because I remember when I was doing lots of research on it and there's like whole communities about it. But on the flip side, there are people that it just like wrecks them. And I think that's a reason because I think it's kind of like intermittent fasting kind of for most people, they like get it going like it pretty much works for for most people. So I think that's why it's like got staying power. And I think if like the resistant starch worked across the board like intermittent fasting does, that it would probably be more popular now. Still, I don't think it's like working versus not working. I mean, last night when I was eating my potato salad, I wasn't even thinking about that it was resistant starch. I just like potato salad. So I think like people have always been eating resistant starches and didn't even think about it. We just eat food. So I mean, like potato salad is always going to be a food. Well, yeah, it's just there's a whole community who turn to it for a certain result. And for some people, they get that. And for some people, they don't. So like fasting, regardless of your gut microbiome state, is probably going to benefit your gut microbiome, whereas resistant starch could like really help your gut microbiome or it can make it worse. I think that if it's making you worse, there's something going on in there that needs some attention. I think it probably depends on the individual gut microbiome. You know my thoughts about that. A healthy gut microbiome is one that, you know, we can eat a variety of foods and do well with them. That's what I think is the ultimate goal. I agree. But I do think it's possible that people can have healthy gut microbiomes and not be eating like resistant starches. Like a person might have a healthy gut microbiome, but they wouldn't respond well to resistant starch at that same time. Or they could have an unhealthy microbiome and not respond well. It's just very complicated. We're all different and what's down there is different and it changes. This is true. Anyway, I'm going to have some more potato salad when we're, we get off of this podcast because I saved some and I hid it away from my husband. Is that bad? <laughs> He he might think we ate it all, but we did not. I put it in a secret spot in the refrigerator, and I'm going to eat some more because I was like too full to eat anymore last night. And I'm like, I'm going to eat my potato salad. 
So that is how I'm going to open my window today. People always ask, what do you eat for a snack? And I'm like, please stop asking me what I eat for a snack because it's not always the same. And I don't want you just to eat what I'm eating. It doesn't matter what I'm eating. But today, what I'm eating for a snack is going to be potato salad. I know whenever people ask me, like, what do you eat? I'm like, don't ask me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Please. People ask me that all the time. Could you tell us what your snacks were? No, I am not going to tell you what my snacks were because, I mean, unless you just are so curious, like I love you, Jen, so much that I want to know what you're eating because I care about you and I like to imagine you eating it. Okay. Maybe you're interested like that. But if you want to know because you want to eat what I'm eating because you think that's what you should be eating, then no. I'll tell people the paradigm that I'm currently following. So, oh, I'm eating low FODMAPs. I'm eating low histamine. I'm eating low high fat, low carb, low carb, high fat, but I don't like doing the specifics. So we take a brief moment to talk about our supporters of today's podcast? Yes. All right. So two crowd favorites here. I'm just saying this really quickly. Jen and I have recently been having a lot of conversations about this, just about how grateful we are to continue to work with companies that we are like really passionate about and the products they produce and going forward because we get like so many people <laughs> who want to be on the podcast as far as like products go. And it's just really important to us that we keep working with the companies that we really, really believe in their products. So the other night, I've been pretty good with my sleep hygiene and everything. But the other night I was like, sometimes I just have a night where I just feel like something didn't get turned off. Do you ever have that feeling, Jen? Like your brain is just going and going. Yeah. Like my body's still in like a wake mode, like maybe too much blue light or too much stimulation. Well, yeah, I've talked about that, how much I've been struggling with my sleep. I think I know why though. Why? Well, I interviewed a functional endocrinologist just the other day on my podcast, which is interesting because, you know, we just talked to Dr. Anna Kabeca for this one, but then I interviewed somebody else and he's a functional endocrinologist and he was talking about menopause and progesterone. And, you know, Dr. Kabeca had just talked about that with us and maybe that was why I perked right up. But he was like, yeah, progesterone, if you're menopausal and you're not sleeping and this is this and this and this and this. And I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly. He's like, it's because you're progesterone. So he's going to review all of my blood work and prescribe me just the right amount of progesterone. And I am so excited. Yeah, I've been experimenting with progesterone for years. Well, see, I ha- I've been fine. But it's everything he said that are the problems that you have if your progesterone is low. All were like the things I've struggled with recently, like waking up at 3 a.m. with your mind racing. I'm like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, it can be huge. It's super important. Some of the creams work really well, too. Okay, well, he's going to look and see and then we'll know. You're going to do like a trochee? A blood test. I mean, he's going to prescribe a trochee though? I don't know. He does bioidentical hormones. Yeah. I'm just wondering if it's going to be like oral or if it's going to be a cream. Oh, I don't know. We haven't gotten that far. (laughs) Keep me updated. (laughs) Anyway, I was just super excited, but yeah. So sleep is definitely something people are struggling with and me. Yeah. So the other night I couldn't sleep. I like went straight to my feels and took some and it was just like, I like literally felt that switch that I just talked about like go go down. Um, it was incredible. And Feels has honestly one of the best offers out there. It's 50% off. That's half off. Yes, 50% off and free shipping, which is incredible. So you can get that at feels.com slash IF podcast. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com forward slash IF podcast. You'll get 50% off a membership. The way the membership works, by the way, is you get it monthly, but you can pause or cancel at any time. So you don't have to like worry about that aspect of it and free shipping. Awesome. It's really great. Yeah. Our family loves it too. So I told you what I was going to be doing. I was going to be doing something special after the podcast. Oh yeah. So what is that? And I'm really kind of excited. I have been tracking my shipment on the UPS app because I'm waiting for a shipment. I'm getting a new mixer and I'm so excited because I'm such a big nerd. I'm going to bake some bread, a mixer. I have not been baking my homemade bread recently because I got a new mixer in the fall and then I didn't like it. And and also then I my grain shipment or my the place I bought my grain went out of business. So I've been without the grain, without a mixer that I liked. So today I'm getting some grain that I can mill into wheat and I'm getting a new mixer, and I'm so excited, and I'm going to make bread, and then I'm going to make black bean brownies. Have you ever had those? You're not a bean eater, right? I am not. I am familiar, though, with the concept. And I'm, I'm eating them because I actually like them a lot. I mean, I actually like black bean brownies because I really love beans, and there's just something about the consistency. I actually like them better than regular brownies. So anybody who hasn't had it, I know that sounds weird. But something about the beans. And then they're so filling. It's different than just eating a regular brownie. What do you sweeten them with? Is like honey or, or sugar? 
you know, you can use different kinds of sugar. I'm going to use just regular sugar, just regular sugar. But you could use, you know, coconut sugar. There's so many different recipes out there. I like, like coconut palm sugar, but I don't think I have any right now in the cabinet. I'm like out of it. I don't use it all the time. But yeah, brown sugar, different succanat is however you say it. There's just different, lots of different sweeteners. I'm just going to use regular sugar. And, you know, I, I know I've talked about sugar giving me restless legs, but, you know, if I eat it in a variety like this, like with the black bean brownie, it's not as big of a hit, if that makes sense. Like I won't eat a ton of it and it'll be okay. And I'll eat it after my meal. I've realized for me right now, so when I was eating like really high protein, really high carb, really low fat, for quite a while, I was fine. I would have nights where I'd eat like tons of honey, like, and I was completely fine with that. Now, even if I have like a tiny bit of any sort of like refined sugar, like honey or something like that, my body just can't. You know, the order that I eat things in makes a difference for me, and the amount of it makes a difference. Like if if I opened my window probably with a black bean brownie, I wouldn't feel as good as if I had it towards the end after I'd already eaten dinner. And also, you know, it's just it's got more fiber in it. You know, and that makes a difference as well. I made some brand muffins for my husband. You know, it's all sexy up in here in the Stevens house. We're eating our brand muffins. But <laughs> anyway, I made him some brand muffins that he, he requested. And those didn't give me restless legs. You know, because they don't have a ton of sugar, but they have a whole lot of fiber. So it's really just, you know, depends on how it's packaged up. Whereas a piece of birthday cake, yeah, that would drive my legs crazy. Birthday cake with frosting or something? Uh-uh. Frosting. Hmm. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, Literally every single day of my life, I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about. And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near-infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near-infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near-infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy. That includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it. Faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, enhanced sleep, and so much more. I use it in the morning and evening as ambient light because it actually mimics the setting and rising sun. And then I sort of run it throughout the day as well to help combat all of the blue light that we're exposed to, which can have a negative effect on our health. Whenever I have muscle pain, I shine Juve on the muscle. For me, it has made the pain go away instantly. And then for chronic pain, when I do continued sessions, it's made it dissipate. One of my good friends who is a doctor uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better. And when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices are are the best. Their modular design allows for a variety of setup options to give you flexibility. The treatments are so easy. You can do them in as little as 10 minutes, or you can be using it all throughout the day like I do. All you have to do is relax and let your body take in the light. They also have their Juve Go, which you can travel with. Yes, that is how I really do use this every single day. That Go is also great for targeting specific areas of your body, like hurting joints or sore muscles. Honestly, friends, health doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you're looking to enhance your health and wellness this new year, start with what matters, which is your cells. And Juve has an amazing offer just for our audience. You can go to juve.com slash ifpodcast and use the coupon code ifpodcast to get a discount on your qualifying order. Again, that's j-o-o-v-v.com forward slash ifpodcast to get an exclusive discount on your order. Pick up a Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. 
All right, we have got a question from Leslie, and the subject is fasting and UTIs. She says, hi, Jen and Melanie. I'm a longtime listener, but only a sporadic faster. I absolutely love intermittent fasting because of how it makes me feel mentally and emotionally. My problem, though, is physical. Both times I tried fasting, my husband and I went with the 24 method. After about the third week, I developed such debilitating UTIs and bladder infections. I actually went in for a bladder hydrodistension and was diagnosed with interstitial cystitis. Is that how you say it? I see. <laughs> cystitis that starts with an I in front of it. Interstitial cystitis. That is a tongue twister. I see. She said, I have read that women tend to get UTIs during Ramadan. Have you read any studies about the connections between IF and UTIs? I want to be able to fast. I love it. Thank you, Leslie. Yeah. So this was a great question from Leslie. Jen, have people talked about IC at all much in your groups? Not really. No, it's not something we hear a lot. So, you know, we have 350,000 combined members. And I feel like if we hear some things all the time. We hear people say, oh my gosh, my cholesterol went up. Yeah, very common. We hear that all the time. Or, you know, sometimes I get a headache after I break my fast. Yeah, we hear that all the time. But what we don't hear all... What about UTIs? No, we don't hear that. We don't hear people talking about a lot of UTIs. We don't hear people talking about a lot of cystitis. No. I thought you would have just because... People in the real world get it a lot. Yeah, because, you know, UTIs are such a thing, especially I think for women a lot. Like what percent of your groups do you think are women? 90-something percent. It's a very large percent. I mean, I'm not guessing. I know that because Facebook shows you. Maybe people don't assume there's any... Oh, no. People like talking about everything. It's not because they're shy about talking about it. Trust me. (laughs) People post about things. I'm like, oh, my Lord, why would you say that to 250,000 people in this group? But people do. No, I feel like if it were connected, actually, it makes me think that probably you are less likely to get UTIs if you're fasting because of how infrequently we hear about it. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is she referenced, you know, the studies in Ramadan and UTIs, and I had seen those before. And just my, I mean, I don't know, but my initial gut response was that it was something about dry fasting. Oh, maybe. I was just thinking of maybe filtration that was going on through the kidneys while fasting affecting that. I mean, they're dry fasting from sun up to sundown. They're not having any fluid. So I, I would not draw any conclusions based on urinary anything based on Ramadan fasting because they're dry fasting. You know, we can get a lot of information from Ramadan fasting, but I think this would be one thing that we could not. That's just my take. Well, we are fortunate that actually somebody in our circle who works with us has a lot of experience with this exact thing. And she's also an intense intermittent faster. So she actually wrote a very helpful answer that I'm just going to read it. And I think it'll be a really good resource for any women who struggle with UTIs or IC or things like that. So she said, so a little information about the difference between a UTI and IC. So UTIs and IC present with the same symptoms. And that's why most doctors assume you have a UTI. But IC is not studied as much, and most doctors know very little about it. When a doctor runs a UTI urine test, they check for blood in the urine, and then they send it off for a culture. With IC, there could be tears in the bladder as well as mast cells that can bleed. So a doctor will initially believe you have a UTI as blood will be detected, and he'll send you home with antibiotics. The antibiotics, because they have an anti-inflammatory effect, will often make the pain subside, making the patient think it was a UTI because they feel better, only for the pain to come back about the same time that the culture comes back saying that the culture is negative and you didn't have a UTI. So she says that if she's experiencing pain in the bladder, that detox could add to that, especially if she went straight into a 24. She says, I would want to know more from her what she's eating prior to the fast and then during, and most importantly, what she's drinking or not drinking during the fast. IC flares can be brought on so often when you are dehydrated. Oh, Jen, (laughs) which would explain somewhat what she read on Ramadan. I would also say that she probably did not get a UTI from fasting and that she likely already had IC. She doesn't say she was tested for a UTI, but only tested later through hypodistension. I was surprised that this was even done as this is considered somewhat barbaric unless it is done under general anesthesia. Oh, wow. And not the gold standard these days. 
I'm sure her doctor, like so many others, just assumed it was a UTI. IC is rarely diagnosed for years after the patient has suffered horribly for an extensive amount of time. There are so many foods and drinks that trigger it, like coffee, tea, wine, beer, acidic things like vinegar, lemons, limes, most all fruit, yogurt, cooked tomatoes, salad dressings, preservatives, and dyes, and processed foods, etc. If she was drinking black coffee and tea all day, even though that is adding liquids, it's a double-edged sword because they can be dehydrating. And they're also a big no because of their acidity. She also says that with fasting, if approached slowly, make sure you are well hydrated, slipping slowly throughout the day with a non-acidic, more alkaline water. Yes, water does have different pHs. If doing that, she would not only be fine fasting, but well on her way to possibly gaining control of her IC and going into remission like me. Of course, there is so much more to controlling IC, and a lot of that has to do with food as well as emotions. It's a lot to weed through. Now that she's been diagnosed, she can do very well to have a consultation with someone who has experience with IC and is a health coach or nutritionist because she is going to need emotional support as well as help navigating an IC diet that will be nutritious and help ease the pain. She also recommends adding her to the IC Network website and encourages her, oh, to try tapping. Oh, side note, I love tapping. I just interviewed somebody the other day for my podcast that does tapping with people. And like, I really, I've heard you mention it. I just kind of in one ear out the other, but now I'm like super excited. Jen, it's so amazing. It's amazing. And now like my whole world is swirling with everywhere I turn is tapping because one of my moderators was like, I just finished tapping. And (laughs) I'm like, tapping is everywhere. And before I'm like, yeah, yeah, what is that? But oh my gosh, now I'm so excited. It's so amazing. Oh, this this person that I interviewed knows Bruce Lipton. Are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) Bruce Lipton, the biology of belief. I mentioned, you know, him and she's like, oh yeah, you have a picture of him with me on my website. I'm like, oh my God. Anyway. For listeners, by tapping, we don't mean tapping like dancing. It's basically if you tap on certain points on your body, kind of like acupuncture, acupressure. Right. It's those same meridians. Yes. It's similar, but they also seems to activate something else as well. But tapping on them activates your parasympathetic, so your relaxed nervous system. So if you do it in a time when you're having anxiety or some sort of fear or thinking about some trauma or memory, by activating that system right away while thinking about it, it trains your brain to not have that fear response associated with that cue. And they've done studies on it recently. There was one profound study that was done barely recently, and they found it upregulated like, I mean, dozens and dozens of anti-aging genes in one session. They've also done controlled studies looking at its effect on cortisol levels and the drop in cortisol in like one session is insane. I had... Nick Ortner, he is the New York Times bestselling author of The Tapping Solution on the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. So if you'd like a resource or an introduction to tapping, definitely listen to that episode because it's great. It's just great. (laughs) So tapping. Anyways, the rest of her email, she says her heart goes out to her because she suffered so much from this horrible autoimmune disease. There were days I wanted to die. Oh dear. I was once in a flare for almost eight months, but I've come out of the other side and fasting for me helped kick IC to the curb. Fasting gave my tender bladder the time it needed to heal. She also wants to say fasting does not cause a UTI, but it can irritate your bladder if you have IC and don't watch what you're drinking during your fast and eating in your window like she just discussed. I know know not everybody's struggling with this, but for those who are, I think that's really, really great information. And it's kind of like what Jen and I find with a lot of things is that fasting can often help (laughs) rather than hurt. And, you know, with so many autoimmune things are helped by fasting. So if this is autoimmune, I would think fasting would be beneficial. But, you know, sometimes you have a healing crisis when you're first starting off. Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm having Dr. Will Cole. He wrote Cutitarian, but he has a new book called The Inflammation Spectrum. So it's going to be an episode all on inflammation and autoimmunity. I'm I'm so excited. There's so many questions I have about it. Did you say the tapping solution is the one? The tapping solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I ordered that one. I ordered that book. Actually, he just sent me a copy of his book. The science behind tapping is is very interesting. You know, I, I talked about that I love Dr. Bruce Lipton. And we actually, my husband and I watched a YouTube video with Dr. Lipton, and he was talking about how the, the subconscious brain is like a tape player, and it keeps replaying these old programs, and then how the tapping just helps you to change the program. 
I thought that was a great analogy. It's, and you know, like only, you know, think about an iceberg floating in the ocean. We only see the tiny little top of it. You know, that's your conscious brain. That's the part where you're, you know, I'm holding my San Pellegrino and I'm looking at it and I'm talking in the microphone and I'm aware of what's happening. But most of what's happening in my brain is just like the tape player going. That's what you want to rewrite those stories that are going on in the background. And that was what was so fascinating. And, and there's a way you're rewriting your programs. Okay, I'm so excited. I'm so excited that you're excited. And then also, so tapping is one of those things that I'm like, out of all the like techniques for addressing anxiety or fears or things like that, you know, meditation, CBT, therapy, tapping, like for me, it's tapping. It's just so effective in such a short amount of time. And there's like a science behind it, you know, because like reframing and like working in your your perspective of things. Yes, that works, but it, it take and, I, and I'm doing that actively as well, but it, that takes a lot of work and you have to like, you have to keep remembering to do it. Whereas this, it's like you do it and it has that effect. Even if you don't think it's going to work, it works. It's reprogrammed your tape back there. That's what's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, my my mixer just got delivered in case anybody was wondering. Exciting things all around. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I found really beneficial about it as well is maybe you have a fear surrounding something and anxieties around something. And every time you experience that, it's just that easily becomes a downward spiral because, you know, you get anxious and then you get anxious that you're anxious and then, you know, you get afraid and then you're upset that you're afraid. But with tapping, it's like once you learn this technique and this tool, every time you feel fear or stress, you can see it as an opportunity to retrain your brain. So it's like, yay, I'm scared. Let me like use this moment to like teach my brain that it doesn't have to be scared right now. I mean, it's profound. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. We are a Himalaya partnered show. And if you'd like to listen to our podcast 24 hours in advance, you can actually do that by following us in the Himalaya app, which is the only app I use to listen to all my podcasts all the time. True story. The show notes for today's episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 160. You can get all of the stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. You can follow our Instagram. Jen, do you ever look at our Instagram? It's like really epic. Sometimes. I rarely look at Instagram in general, but when I do, I usually look at ours. We have a girl working with us who helps work on our Instagram and she is doing so- literally, <laughs> I like open my Instagram and I see our Instagram like, like, I'm like, this is so great. And, and it's our Instagram. <laughs> um, but it has really, really great content there about fasting, motivational things. So, and I look at it as well. So I'd love to see you guys there. That's I have podcast and also on Instagram. I am at Melanie Avalon. Jen is at Jen Stevens. Oh, and if you'd like to submit your own questions, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? Nope. I think that's it. Everybody knows I'm about to go do some epic bread baking and I'm going to go super nuts with my new mixer. (laughs) And then maybe some tapping later on. Yeah, well, I don't have the books yet. I've ordered them. Books are taking a little longer right now on Amazon. You could listen to my interview with him. Well, you know, I, I, if I listened to things, I would because I heard it was great. One of the moderators in my group was doing the tapping and she learned about it through your podcast. Oh, really? Yes. That makes me so happy. Right. So Nick is great. He's like such a genuine, kind person. I just love like really connecting with people that are doing such wonderful things in our world. And when they're just like such like you can just they're just good people just makes me really happy. (sighs) Okay. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you then. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.